This is Echo Zoe Radio, episode 132 for April 2019 with Michelle Leslie on various topics. Welcome to Echo Zoe Radio, the podcast outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries, where you'll hear about important topics affecting the church today. Our primary goal is to explore a variety of issues while remaining faithful to God and His Word. Stay with us for the next hour as your host, Andy Olson, shares his conversation with this month's guest. Here's your host, Andy Olson. I'm Andy Olson. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. This is episode 132 for April 2019 with Michelle Leslie. Michelle's an author and has a women's discipleship ministry. She returns for her third episode of Equizoi Radio to discuss a few different topics related to women and women's ministry. Show notes for this episode are available. You'll find a basic outline of the discussion, scriptures referenced during the show, links to additional resources, and related episodes from the Equizoi archives. You can find that at equizoi.com slash 132. There's also a video version of our discussion, as has been the case for the past several episodes. You can check that out at the Echo Zoe Ministries YouTube channel or at echozoe.com slash 132. There will be an embedded version if you prefer to watch this episode. And finally, before we begin, uh, new lessons and logic videos continue to be posted on nearly a weekly basis. You can find those, again, at that Echo Zoe Ministries YouTube page. There's also an introductory video that I put up a few weeks ago on the background of the book of Ezra. It's from a study that I started a few years ago, but ended up getting too busy to continue. But please check that out and let me know if it's something that you'd like me to continue with. Um, it's I can't really commit to a timetable on it, but it was a fruitful study. And if there's interest in it, I may try to continue with it. With that, here's my conversation with Michelle. Michelle, uh, it's been a while since we had you on Echo Zoe Radio, uh, but it's great to finally, after well, it's been a couple of years, to have you back. It's great to be back. I'm really happy to be here again. And this is, uh, you came up with the name of the topic. In fact, I gave you the, the whole thing. I just said, hey, it's been a while. We always had good podcasts. Uh, you got something we could talk about. We're just calling it Potpourri. And you said it was inspired by Jeopardy. Is yeah. That, is that a Jeopardy <laughs> category? Yeah, I think so. That's the Jeopardy category, isn't it? I haven't watched Jeopardy in a while, but I when I when I write um, when I write something where I'm doing multiple topics in the same article, I call those potpourri articles too. Sure. So, well, it sounds good. And kind of the direction we're headed is um, some of the um, I don't want to I don't want to say social justice stuff, but kind of in that direction with. Um, we're going to talk about roles of women and how that's been a big issue in the church at large and uh, specifically SBC issues. You're SBC and you pay close attention to that kind of stuff. And, and um, it's been, it's been big. And then in the kind of Christian news lately, a lot of this SBC stuff, especially since Shepherd's conference about, about a month ago, a month and a half ago. Sound right. That sounds about right. So yeah, it's, uh, it's actually this, uh, this kind of, at least the the issue with um, uh, well, there's a couple of different issues with social justice. One of them is the race issue, and then one of them is the roles of women issue. And there's probably some other issues in there as well. Um, I know that uh, with the social justice statement, there were also issues of sexuality and um, homosexuality mm-hmm. and transgender and things like that. Um, I t- I kind of tend to stay in my lane and let other people who are more experienced in uh, you know the the sexual issues or the racial issues handle those things. I like to point, you know, my audience, at least, I like to point them to people who can speak more um, intelligently on those, those issues. And so I kind of try to stay more in my lane with the issues of women's roles in the church and things like that. So, and that's, that's been going on for, gosh, a year, probably, uh, at least that, uh, that we've been looking at some particular issues with that and in the SBC. So, Mm -hmm. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to stop just a second.
want to make sure we're not having some serious auto, auto, audio problems here. But uh, okay. so are we okay? to, I think we're okay. I, I just think I had you turned up too loud. So, oh, okay. Um, so Talk that's uh, before we get in, that's kind of another issue that I just wanted to raise with the listeners that um, that we've noticed as we are setting up that there's a little bit of a delay on Google Hangouts as we're talking. So if it sounds like we're talking over each other, we're, we're, we're both mindful of it and we're, we're trying to be polite for each other, but it might happen that with the delay, we kind of end up stomping on each other's thoughts. So, uh, <laughs> so please have the same patience for us that we're having with each other. But, uh, so you've been writing a lot about this. Uh, it, it's really a complementarianism versus egalitarianism kind of issue. On- yeah. Yes. And, um, Actually, the the complementarian position is getting a bit muddied these days. Mm-hmm. Um, some people you talk to that say they're complementarian are egalitarian. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really getting strange. So, um, so our definitions are important. Our the the terms that we use are important. So, yeah, it's. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. <laughs> well, why don't we just, I, I'm sure most people that are listening are going to understand that, you know, at least the, the basic definitions, but why don't we set our terms on there? Okay. Well, up until recently, <laughs> complementarian has meant that um, we certainly believe that men and women are created equal in God's eyes, that um, that we're equal in salvation. You know, the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Um, there's no Jew nor Greek. There's no slave nor free. There's no male nor female, as Galatians 3.28 tells us. And, and mm-hmm. And that chapter in the whole Bible, actually, it's talking about how we are all um, equal creations before God and equal in salvation before God. However, when it comes to the our earthly roles in the church and in marriage, there are different roles for men and for women. And um, complementarians believe, or at least up until recently and when the definitions changed and everything, uh, when someone said she was a complementarian, what she meant was she believed that women are not to be pastors and that women are not to instruct men in the scriptures or hold authority over men in the gathering of the church body. Mm-hmm. That wives are to submit to their husbands and that husbands are to be the spiritual leaders of the family and that men are to take the initiative and take responsibility of leading the church. Um, So that's what complementarianism has traditionally meant. Egalitarianism is sort of the flip side of that, that there are no restrictions on any kind of roles for men or women, that women can be pastors, women can, you know, run churches, run denominations, I guess, um, things like that, and that men and women are equal partners, equal in well, to say that means that it's uh, just it sounds like I'm saying that complementarians don't believe that husbands and wives are equal partners, which is right. not really the case that, you know, we are equal in worth and equal in importance in our marriages, but we just have different roles to play. Well, that's not what egalitarians believe. They believe that they're, you know, the wife can wear the pants in the family just as much as the husband can. You know, I don't, it sounds like that would make for some friction. It sounds like yeah. to me, but um, that's generally, I mean, that's, it's probably more nuanced than that, but that's generally what uh, egalitarians and complementarians have believed. Um, but like I say, there's been some muddying of the waters recently and um, people who are complementarian have started, I guess, adopting some more egalitarian beliefs and it's just the lines are getting blurred so yeah so it really it, it comes down to understanding that you can be men and women can be equal but they're still different there's still differences and god works through those differences in different ways and that and that's what the compliment complementarians will recognize that whereas an egalitarian seems to insist that if you're going to be equal it has to be equal in every way and there are no differences there's biological differences and that's it. There are no other differences. Exactly. Okay. So you had uh, written some couple articles that you sent me on um, some of the issues going on, especially with the SBC. Should we you care to get into some of that? Uh, um, about a year ago, um, 
there there was there was some kerfuffle in the SBC uh, with the with the Me Too movement um, and uh, the Paige Patterson incident, which. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm, I'm going to try and make this as broad as I can. For yeah, those please do, because I don't keep up with somewhere. it. So even I'm a little bit out <laughs> of the loop. So. Yeah, well, I, I I probably in a lot of ways am out of the loop to, uh, at least a little bit, too. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, Paige Patterson was a, a major figure in Southern Baptist life. Um, and he there were some accusations against him and that all it, it was just a big drama that played out. And I'm not going to get into all the details about that, but there were um, some accusations made against him. And so that was going on and the Me Too movement was going on. And so it was suggested by uh, a um, a Southern Baptist pastor that the way to um, to fix all of this wrongdoing against women in the SBC, which people were trying to say was systemic, um, and I certainly don't I don't discount the fact that there have been individual men here and there who have acted like pigs, you know, mm-hmm. in the Southern Baptist Convention, and certainly that's a sin, and they need to repent. Right, absolutely. But there's not this widespread systemic. Uh, misogyny in in the SBC. There's it just doesn't exist. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, there were certain social justice people and this particular pastor who were saying that the way to right all these wrongs against all of these women was to make a woman the uh, president of the SBC, and he floated out Beth Moore, and so. That was a big um, kind of a big drama that was going on at the time. And it's it has settled down a bit uh, over the the past year um, since since the last Southern Baptist Convention. This all happened. um, It was starting to happen last spring. The Southern Baptist Convention was always in, held in June. So it, you know, the, it, it happened too close to the convention for anything to really be very much done about it at last year's convention. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of settled year and now that it's getting close to to this year's convention um there's there people are talking about it again a little bit not quite as much as they did last year um so that's uh that's a concern because we've as as traditionally we've been complementarian in the in the sbc and um and we don't normally allow women pastors well all Southern Baptist churches are autonomous, which means we don't answer to a presbytery or sure. uh, a, a bishopric or anything like that. Every every church is autonomous. We just cooperate together for missions and for um, other things. So, um, <clears throat> so I forget where I was going with this, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> the Beth Moore kind of leading so, leading towards Beth Moore as a nominated as SBC president right. kind of thing. Right. So um, there's there had been some some concern among uh, complementarians about this uh, because, you know, how does this look to have this traditionally complementarian denomination led by a woman? Okay, and Mm -hmm. some of the concern, some of my concerns were my main concern is how does this look to the world? You know, we have always said that we don't allow female pastors. Um, women are not supposed to be teaching men. Women are not supposed to be holding authority over men in the local church. Right. And here we put a woman in the highest, at least to the way it looks to the world in the highest position of authority in Southern, in the Southern Baptist denomination. Now the president of the Southern Baptist convention um it's not like the pope it's not like right. they issue edict and all the churches have to follow that there's they really don't have uh the teeth to to do that since every church is is autonomous um the southern the president of the southern baptist convention can you know say this or that and an individual church can ignore it you know, and they, and they can go the direction they feel God wants them to go. But to the to the world, to the outside looking in, it looks like we're putting a woman in charge of this entire denomination because they don't understand. I mean, most a lot of people in the Southern Baptist Convention don't understand how the polity of the Southern Baptist Convention works and that our churches are autonomous and that, you know, the they don't understand what the president of the Southern Baptist Convention does. And certainly the world doesn't understand that 
very much either. So that was that was a concern as to how it would look from the outside looking in. But it's also a concern for Southern Baptist churches from the inside looking up to the president, um, because that looks like to your average person in the pew that, oh, it's okay for a woman to be in charge of whatever in the local church. Now we've got a, the woman of uh, the president of the SBC as a woman. Why can't we have a woman as a pastor? Why can't a woman teach this co-ed Sunday school class? Why can't a woman be, you know, an elder or, or whatever. So there's just some concern about how, and there's, there's an, another concern as well is that the president of the Southern Baptist convention traditionally goes around and preaches at a lot of different, churches and different events and things like that. So then that actually would be a violation of scripture, um, you know, much more, more clearly than, than being the denominational president. So there have just been a lot of concerns about that uh, over the past year. Yeah. And thanks for running through that because like I said, not being a Southern Baptist myself um, and because I don't pay close attention to the politics and the goings on within the SBC, it gets very much confusing sometimes to see, well, there's, you know, an, another controversies popped up. What is it this time? And, and, and then to not see how the actual machinations of the, of the convention work, that kind of muddies the waters in and of itself too, that, um, I mean, I, I understood that the president of the SBC is not the Pope of the SBC and, right. but, but it certainly does like you're saying, it does definitely confuse things that, you know, the world's not going to necessarily know that, especially unbelievers aren't necessarily going to know that, and that the, 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 the leader of the, con- the, the convention or the, the denomination isn't, um, isn't a Pope, isn't a, a, a supreme leader kind of thing, you know? Right. It, it can be very confusing. And like I say, it's confusing to a lot of Southern Baptists who are just, maybe they're young or they haven't grown up in a church where this has been explained to them or for whatever reason, um, you know, it's confusing to people in our own churches a lot of mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. Now, when I mentioned uh, ShepCon being about a month and a half ago, I think the, what really brought up some, kind of brought some of this, you know, it, they were talking about uh, specifically separate issues, but but just the fact that there are these Southern Baptist related issues that are coming back up again was, of course, you know, a lot of people are, are that are listening and will have heard it, but or at least heard of it. The Q&A panel with Albert Moeller and, and Mark Dever and uh, Lingen Duncan and um, and being challenged on some of the controversy going on with uh, social justice movements within the within the church at large, but specifically how some of the pastors within the SBC are handling it. And uh, so that's kind of why, you know, if you're listening to this way into the future and kind of wondering what was going back on back in 2019, you know, that's kind of what's what that was about. But um, but all these issues are are kind of interrelated. You know, they they they're not independent of each other. Right. That's correct, because um, and I've heard a lot of people say that as well, that don't don't think you can, you know, buy into the, for example, the 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 uh, church roles for women issue without thinking that and think that you're not going to buy into the, the homosexual issue as well. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't think that you can jump in on the race issue and think that that's going to satisfy the social justice people without you accepting transgenderism as well. So they are really all intertwined and interrelated. And, but really the more important issue is that we need to take a biblical look at these things. We don't need to be evaluating these things on a practical level or on a level of what will make people feel good or what will hurt people's feelings or what won't hurt people's feelings. We need to be laser focused on what is pleasing to God, not what is practical and what is, you know, what feels good on an, mm-hmm. in an earthly realm, but what is pleasing to God and what is obedient to his word? That's all that matters. Yeah. You know, if people's feelings get hurt tough. I mean, well, and, and I say that, and about that sounds harsh, too. but, um, I mean, that's just the nature of the gospel. I mean, that is, that's, that's the rough side of the gospel that everybody's feelings get hurt through the gospel. When you are face to face against the law and your own depravity and your own sin, 
that's that's hard to understand. I mean, that's hard to grasp. It's hard to swallow. And your feelings get hurt and you realize that, okay, God doesn't love me just the way I am because I'm sinful and I'm I'm an enemy. You know, I've I'm I've made him an enemy and that I and I deserve his wrath. It, that's that's offensive. I mean, and that hurts people's feelings. And we all understand that we're all saved. We all went through that. Uh, I mean, at least I hope so. If you haven't, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's Christianity in a nutshell, that we are the enemy of God and we need, the only way that that ever changes is because he bridged that gap for us and that he took that wrath in our place and that he was a propitiation for that wrath that we deserve. But whether that's through whatever pet sin I have or, or some movement within the church or the culture at large, it doesn't really make a difference. It's all going to hurt feelings and be offensive to some degree to everyone. Right. And, you know, so what if it hurts our feelings? Our feelings <laughs> are not God. You right. know, we, we have this attitude so many times that our feelings are the supreme uh, measure of, of whatever is happening in the world. And that if something hurts our feelings, well, then that's sin. Right. Well, it's not. No, it's not. And even if it is, and, I think a lot of times we need to have our feelings hurt. You know, that's what wakes mm-hmm. people up a lot of times and, and gets their attention. And, and like you said, points out the fact that we are sinners and that we need to repent yeah. and that our feelings do not reign supreme. God reigns supreme. God's word reigns supreme. And then supreme. on the flip side, I mean, because we've all t- in some way, shape or form been through that, we've gone through that that recognition of our, of our position in Christ before salvation and now in salvation that like, we have to recognize that, that we're not, no, we're not seeking offense. When you say that we don't, we're not worried about feelings. It's not because you're callous and because you just purely don't care about feelings. It's because they're not as important as people want to make them out to be. And that's really the point. I care exactly. about people's feelings. I just don't think that feelings trump fact or truth. You know, the Bible, the Bible lays out what the truth is, and we have to face that no matter what our feelings say. But I do care that I not needlessly offend people either. This just isn't needless. <laughs> right, exactly. And and when I when I was saying who cares about feelings, I was talking about being on the receiving end of hmm. offense, not on the giving end. It is my responsibility as someone who is acting or behaving or doing something mm-hmm. to to exemplify those fruits of the spirit of kindness and gentleness and to do that in a way that's balanced with biblical truth, speaking the truth and right. love. And, and just to make sure that if I'm offending anybody, it's not because of, of something in Michelle. It's not because right. of something uh, in my personal personality or my mannerisms or whatever. If that person is offended, I want that person to be offended only by the gospel, right. only by scripture, not yep. by something that I'm doing to get in the way. And boy, is that hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, it I fail hard. at that so often. <laughs> well, because so often the, I think the, those who are, you know, especially people who are falsely converted. And I think some people who are, are true converts, but don't quite understand the theology the way they quite should will muddy those waters. And I mean, but the, there is definitely, I just was trying to, to communicate that that's part of the gospel. I, you know, I'm not trying to impugn you personally, but this, it, it, it muddies it because there are people who do seek to offend. I mean, they go out of their way. They just, that's all they care about. They want to upset yes. people. They want to stir the mud. They want to cause controversy and chaos. And that's, that's the tears that Satan is, is, sowing um, in our midst. That's just the nature of this, this era that we're living through. But, um, you know, we have to wreck, you know, we have to fight back. We've got to stand on scripture. Exactly. I always, when I'm instructing my ladies, what I try to instruct them to do is to be like a velvet covered brick, soft (laughs) on the outside. Soft on the outside, smooth on the outside, you know, as far as our mannerisms, our tone of Mm -hmm. voice and all that, which is really, really hard for me. And God has a long way to go with me on that. (laughs) But firm and solid on the inside when it comes to standing on the word of Christ, immovable. That's what we're to be. Yeah. Yeah. 
But uh, I, I don't know how much more to say about that. I mean, that's just like I said, that's that's the gospel. That's we just kind of gotta gotta deal with that, <laughs> both on the good side and the bad. You know, it's, it's just wonderful coming through the gospel and knowing where our position is in Christ. But but we're bringing others through it, and we've just gotta gotta be we gotta toughen up a little bit. <laughs> so. Exactly. So. Um, you were just speaking at a women's conference recently, which is why we're kind of a little delayed on, uh, you know, I, I often will like shoot for the first of the month to have a podcast up, but uh, we pushed it back because you were at a conference and thought it'd be good to work through that. Um, how does some of the stuff that you talked about at the conference um, relate to what we're talking about with uh, the the roles of women and social justice and whatnot? Well, it's interesting that you should ask that because it really feeds into what we were just talking about, because what I was talking about at the conference was just very much the basics of Christianity, Christianity 101, getting back to the Bible, getting, you know, making God's word a priority in your life, that God's word is the authority over our lives, not our opinions, not our feelings, not our experiences, but the Bible. And if, if I, if my experience or my opinion or my feelings come up against the word of God and conflict with the word of God, the word of God wins. Mm -hmm. And I need to submit myself and my feelings and my uh, everything that I want to do has to be in submission to God's word. And so that's one of the things that I was was talking about at the conference. It was very much uh, my topics anyway, were very much back to the basics. And um, I think that we need to remember those things. I think we a lot of us, myself included, a lot of times need a remedial course in what Christianity, living the Christian life is mm -hmm. um, that we're not, you know, we're not our own gods. We don't we don't follow the idol of self. We follow Christ. And if that means that I lay my life down. That's what I'm supposed to be mm -hmm. doing. If that means that that I die rather than disobey my Lord, that's what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, mm -hmm. and that um, this this isn't just some little game we're playing. This is this is for keeps, you know, yeah. this is real life that we are supposed to um, we're supposed to be in complete submission to what God's word says to do, regardless of how we feel about it. Mm -hmm. So it really well, does feed in what we're talking about today. It's said often, I think any good preacher will say it as much as he can, that that's just kind of part of preaching the gospel to ourselves daily. And we, you know, just because we're saved doesn't mean we move on to something else. The The gospel saves us, but the gospel keeps us and the gospel grows us. And it's that, it's that uh, recognition that, you know, it's, we don't go back to the basics. We, we got to really stay in the basics. I mean, till the day exactly. we, we see our, till we go into glory, we got to stay in the basics and that's, what's going right. to keep us and see us there. Yeah. And uh, you so many times when we're listening to a pastor or something to that effect, we'll hear someone say that we need um, we need a fresh touch from the Lord or we need a new word from the Lord or we need God to to do something new. And I keep thinking we haven't gotten the old stuff done yet. <laughs> right. you know, we're not. We haven't mastered the basics yet. How can we ask God to do something new um, or, or give us a, a, a new word or something like that when we're not even doing the word he's already given us, you know? Mm. Um, and I, I myself am such a failure at that so often of, of um, not doing the stuff that he has already told me to do in his word and, um, and, failing to to obey him and follow him the way that I should just day by day. And so we need to, um, I don't know, it, I, I, I think we need to, to get back to those basics a lot of times. Yeah. Isn't that so often more distracting than anything else when you've got somebody talking about some new thing? I mean, it's just, I mean, you, you basically said it in one way or another, but um, we don't, we haven't gotten the old yet. <laughs> That's right. where that's what we need is what's what's already there and 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 this give me a new word or new thing new whatever it's just pulling us away from what we've already got that isn't it's it is sufficient it might not yes. it might not satisfy our craving to fix all of our problems right here and now but it, it is sufficient it is and that's another thing I was talking to the lady 
is about too is the the authority of God's word, the sufficiency of God's word that um you know we when we face a, a problem that's another thing we were talking about is is handling decision making in a godly way um and not you know we don't just we don't like put out a fleece or or whatever like that and or look for a sign when we have to make a decision but we go back to God's word and we mm-hmm. we get wise counsel and we pray for wisdom and we get help from our brothers and sisters at church and and things of this nature and um you know we we are so looking for something new and something fresh and we really have to get back to those those foundational principles of sanctification because that's what produces the growth in us it's not um you know it's not god hitting us on the head with a magic wand and saying okay here's you know here's your magic answer to your dilemma it's the process of working through seeking wisdom and seeking seeking counsel from your brothers and sisters and studying the scriptures to say to see what they say about your your dilemma and and praying for wisdom it's that process that helps us to depend on god more and to trust him more and to grow more in christ so mm-hmm. yeah well believe it or not we've been going for about a half an hour already rough oh, roughly wow. so um <laughs> if you don't mind i'll take a real short break and then um we'll come back and and talk about some other things sounds great Andrew Rappaport's Rap Report is a podcast providing biblical interpretations and applications. It is a ministry of striving for eternity and part of the Christian podcast community. We provide a biblical view of cultural events, discuss how to apply God's word to the Christian life, address issues that concern the church, and we even take some time to offer a correct understanding of those commonly misinterpreted passages of scripture. You will hear from great guests like Justin Peters, Todd Friel, Jay Warren Wallace, and Gabe Hughes. Andrew has the Rap Report Daily, which is a two-minute Monday through Friday podcast, and then the longer Rap Report podcast for more content. Subscribe to both today by searching for Rap Report on any podcast app, spelled R-A-P-P, Report, or click the podcast link at strivingforeternity.org. In This Is Love, not that we loved God, but He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. 1 John 4.10 The word propitiation, as used in this verse, is one of my personal favorite words in all of the Bible. John Piper, in his book, 50 Reasons Why Christ Came to Die, defines propitiation as, quote, the removal of God's wrath by providing a substitute. The substitute is provided by God himself. The substitute, Jesus Christ, does not just cancel the wrath. He absorbs it and diverts it from us to himself. God's wrath is just, and it was spent, not withdrawn, end quote. This very explanation of propitiation is what God used to open my eyes and heart to the gospel. Do you know Jesus as your propitiation? This has been another Growing Moment with Robert Houghton. Uh, so thanks again, Michelle. And um, we're going to take a little bit different direction now. Another thing that you've you've been in kind of keeping your eye on with your, your blog and your ministry that, you know, I was just mentioning during the break that is kind of a, a good topic for me because, because a good preacher preaches to himself, you know, and it kind of works wow. on their own issues is discernment ministries. And this is something that's kind of been an issue for me for a while is I feel, I very much feel akin to a, a lot of discernment ministries, but, but they seem to, cause sometimes cause as many problems as they tried to help with. And so let's talk about discernment too. And, and, and um, I think it's easy for a lot of us to understand the problems with discernment ministries because sometimes they go, they do go too far, but you consider your blog a discernment ministry and, and you do a good job of saying, wait a minute here. Some of us are (laughs) trying to be faithful and we're not, not, we're not all bad. So let's talk a little bit about, about discernment too. And, Okay, well, let me first start by just correcting you just a little bit. Okay, sure. I actually consider my ministry to be a discipleship ministry, okay. and discernment is part of part discipleship. Of discipleship yeah. So I do do, yeah, I do do some discernment work. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I love the women that are in my audience and I don't want to see their spiritual growth stunted. Or if they're not Christians, I don't want to see them uh, kept away from the gospel by false teachers who are just trying to tickle their ears. Mm -hmm. And so I think there is, well, in an ideal world, Every pastor would be fulfilling both parts of Titus 1.9, which says that they're to preach sound doctrine and to correct and rebuke those who stand against sound doctrine. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are many pastors who are doing that faithfully, and God bless Oh, they're just my heroes. I know (laughs) how hard it is to do that. Um, I can't imagine how hard it must be to do that as a pastor in your own church, just from the flack that I I get on my blog from doing that. So, you know, bless you if you're a pastor who really does care about your um, your congregation and you care about scripture. And one of the things you do in the process of caring about you, about scripture and your congregation is to refute false doctrine and to do it clearly and specifically and so that there are no misunderstandings from your congregation. Um, so in an ideal world, there would be no need for online discernment because every pastor would be handling that in his own church. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, a lot of pastors, good men um, that maybe just don't know, or maybe have never uh, considered the fact that they need to address this from the pulpit or a variety of reasons. um, They're not, they're not helping their congregations with discernment issues. Um, And so there are some of us who are trying to step in into that gap and just sort of help, help pastors, um, you know, with materials that they can use so they don't have to spend quite as much time doing the legwork of, of research and whatnot Mm -hmm. um, to find out what's going on out there. And then also to help people like, um, for example, I, I spoke with uh, a lady the other day, or I was messaging her back and forth the other day who had just come out of a new apostolic reformation church, uh, church in quotation marks. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she didn't know, she just knew that what she had been in was bad and she didn't know where to go from there. And she wasn't really sure why some of the things that she had believed were bad and wrong. She just, the Holy Spirit was beginning to work in her and beginning to open her eyes, but she just needed a little help, you know, and she didn't want to get into another church that was just like the one she just came out of. She needed to get into a solid church. And so she didn't have a pastor to, to rebuke false doctrine and to preach sound doctrine to her. So we're trying to get her some help. And and fortunately um, we we were able to get her some help and get her into a good solid church. But there are those of us out there who are trying to do that and, and do it kindly and do it well. And I, I'll be the first to admit that I have never, I've not always done this perfectly and, and done this the best way possible. But uh, at the same time, I'm seeing something, um, of a, of a backlash from doctrinally sound Christians, a lot of reformed Christians and, and, uh, people in that sort of, I hate the word tribe, but people in that tribe, in our tribe that are, that they write articles or they make comments on social media, just sort of saying we need to do away with all discernment ministry because there are discernment ministries out there that are so, um, vitriolic and mm-hmm. so uh, just ugly in in their demeanor they may be presenting correct facts but the way that they present them is so angry and biting and bitter and and yeah. just ugly that they're giving everybody who does any kind of discernment work a bad name and so um some people may have caught my tweet uh, a few weeks ago where i said look if you're gonna if you're going to speak out against these bad discernment ministries, at least please draw a line of distinction between between these people who are not acting in love and graciousness and kindness um, and people who are actually trying to help the victims of false 
teachers mm-hmm. um, because we love them and we're, we're trying to help. We're not trying to um, get clicks and we're not trying to make a splash and, and make name for ourselves or whatever. I, I don't want to try and guess what the motivation of some of these. Well, I think some of the be, but there are some of them that are clearly like they just need to go away. You know, they're just they've never been good. They're never going to be good. They just need to go away. But there are others, I think, start out with noble, you know, as a, a no, with noble intentions, noble motivations. But then I've seen them where they'll like they kind of get thrust onto the the global stage or the na- national stage, and all of a sudden they're getting a lot of attention, and for good reason. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of feel like, well, now I've got a big name. I've got to use it for better, and. And then they just have to, they have to keep pushing and going and going and going when maybe not necessarily, you know, you made your point, you, 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 you were helpful to the church at large in that point, but uh, that doesn't mean that you got to find the next issue to, to go out and, and educate everybody on. And, and sometimes you, you, that ends up, you kind of, it kind of snowballs. It just wants to get bigger and bigger. And yes, you know, you're gonna, you're not really going to make the the splash that you did the first time, unless it's, it's that much bigger this time. And, and then eventually it just gets bigger and bigger and then it just collapses under its own weight. And I I like how you said, I don't know if you said it before we started or after, right after we started, but you talked about staying in your lane and you know, that's like, that's a kind of a good phrase, good way to put it. Um, Or another that I've heard is um, blooming where you're planted and just, recognizing that you're going to have strengths and you're going to have weaknesses and, and, and don't overplay your strengths, you know, and recognize your weaknesses, be aware of them and stuff. And, and I think that's where some discernment ministries kind of get away from themselves is that they, they get less and less cognizant of their own strengths and, and, uh, or, or their true nature of their strengths and, and they ignore their weaknesses. Right. And I, I think another problem is that, and I've fallen prey to this, myself is where where our hearts are at i mean is is my heart to to love someone who is has fallen under the spell of a false teacher and see that person redeemed and brought out of that or is my heart to build up a name for myself mm. and to and to use the um use the internet as a vehicle to do that and and also is my heart you know do I have an unhealthy craving for controversy? Mm-hmm. Um, is that a, is that a, a motivation of my heart or do I just like being ugly to people? I mean, if, if, if yeah. I just like being ugly about people and being angry all the time and being uh, controversial and contrary. And if that is my, um, if that is the attitude of my heart all the time, you know, that's not, <laughs> That's not a fruit of the spirit to be mm-hmm. argumentative and to be uh, angry and and to have that all the time. Um, we need to the the heart of the gospel, the heart of God's word, is restoration and reconciliation and redemption. Mm-hmm. It's not retribution and right. you know um, revenge and and things of this nature. It's to it's to see people rescued and brought in not to God says he's going to take revenge on and he's going to judge the people who are false teachers and whatnot. Um, It's one thing to say, look, this person, this person that you're following is not going to help you in your walk with the Lord. This person is going to harm you in your walk with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Come over here and get into God's word and study God's word for yourself and grow in God's word in a doctrinally sound church by studying God's word, by surrounding yourself with doctrinally sound brothers and sisters and, you know, and stay away from the things that'll harm you. There's a difference between that and someone who is just constantly on the attack, 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 attack. And they're more they're more motivated to attack people, the people that are doing wrong than to rescue the people who are being wronged. Mm -hmm. Well, and then I, I had a conversation with uh, one of my board members the other day that um, it was on a different issue, but I think he had a point that really fits with just about anything, including this. I think it fits well with this. Um, He was talking about um, how sometimes we'll push a topic so hard. and, And in the particular conversation we had we were talking about eschatology 
and our differences with somebody else on eschatology. And he kept saying, well, they don't recognize that even though they're reformed overall, the way they're pushing this particular issue really denies the, that, that belief in, the, the, in God's sovereignty that they hold to as reformed, you know? But I think that holds so well with this discernment topic, too, sometimes, that you, you get so focused on being right and, um, and crushing the guy that's wrong that's a danger to the church— that you stop and, f- and forget that that God is ultimately sovereign, and that that there might be some just horrible heretic out there teaching blasphemous things, but he's doing so providentially. God is allowing that to happen for one reason or another, and you don't know why God allows that to happen. But he might have put you there. Maybe he's just put you there to warn one person or two people. He didn't necessarily put you there to warn everyone who might cross that person's path. You've got to trust in every part of a life. You've just got to trust God's sovereignty and, and, and stay in your lane and bloom where you're planted, I think. Exactly. And that's that's a really important point that will help keep us from going insane with mm-hmm. all of the with all of the false teaching that's going on in the world. And for somebody like me who just wants to address everything that comes along because I love the people who are being deceived by this, but it's, you know, you can't address every single thing that comes along. We've got to remember that God is sovereign and that God is the judge and nothing gets by him. Nothing slips through the cracks with God. And he is going to judge those people, just like he says in Matthew 7. They're going to stand before him one day, and he is going to judge them. He knows everything they've done, and he knows every intent and attitude of their hearts. And we also need to remember he knows all that about us. Mm -hmm. And so um, we, we need to trust God that he is going to deal with everything, every sin, everything that goes wrong. He is going to deal with that in his own way, in his own time. And we can mm. trust him to do that. Yeah. And that takes a huge burden off of my shoulders. Just and to that's remember. The key. That I think that's, God, that's the God, key right there go ahead. is just getting that burden yeah. off our shoulders. Cause I see it in, uh, you see it a lot in uh, evangelism. You see it here in this discernment. I mean, you see it in so many aspects of life that you feel like, I mean, you really love the gospel and you love the lost and you want to get people to understand the gospel and understand biblical truth. But you go too far sometimes. You just, you push it too hard. And if you just recognize that God has equipped you in certain ways and put you in certain places at certain times, and then just let him take it, you know, do do what he's equipped you to do and and keep those loving motivations you know cuz that's a good thing i'm not impugning the motives that that you you love the gospel okay cuz a lot of these discernment ministers even the ones that go off the deep end they 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 really do love the gospel and they love the scriptures mm-hmm. and they love the lord it's just keep in mind that sovereignty aspect as well like god's in control the world's not going to end because you didn't convince some follower of that heretic that um, he's following the wrong guy. Exactly. And another, another thing that was very um, freeing to me is to remember that not only is God sovereign, but God loves those people who are deceived in false teaching far more than I do. He Mm -hmm. cares about their souls way more than I do. He cares about the the health of each church more than I can. And he knows each church more than I can. And so mm-hmm. that that helps the love and the sovereignty that God has over these issues really has helped me. Um, it just like I said, it takes a burden off of my shoulders that I, you know, I for each moment that he puts me in, I'm called for such a time as that moment, you yeah. know, like it says in Esther, she was called for such a time as this. And so when whatever moment that I'm in, God has put me in that moment for such a time as this, and I play my role, and I trust him to do the rest. Because, you know, ultimately, all of these issues, evangelism, discernment, the health of the local church, 
all of this is under the purview of the Holy Spirit. It mm. doesn't matter how many articles I write. It doesn't matter how, you know, how many times I've shared the gospel with a person or, or whatever. Ultimately, the Holy Spirit has to move in the hearts of people right. and draw those people to himself. Um, That's exactly draw lost right. People for salvation, draw saved people for, for growth and trust in him. Mm. It's all on him him. Yeah. He, you know, he, he takes care of that and, and we can trust him. And I think a lot of times when we feel that we have to go out and push and push and push and try and try and try, it's because we don't trust God to handle it. Yeah. You know, and I say, no, knowing I, I that agree. about myself, yep. um, that we just don't trust God enough. Well, and we there need are to. times when, when somebody's just, it's not elect, they're not, they're never going to be saved. Okay. And, mm -hmm. and for whatever God's purposes. And, and that can be hard for us. You know, my, you mm -hmm. know, I was just telling you, my grandmother died uh, a week and a half ago. She was 90 years old. And the hardest part of that, I just went to her funeral yesterday. The hardest part was, I don't know where her, she was eternally. I shared the gospel with her several times. She told me she understood. She told me she believed there are, you know, some things that kind of suggest that maybe she did, you know, I don't know. That's the hardest thing, but it, God is sovereign. And, and if he's going to save her, I'll see her again. Right. And uh, I'm so sorry for your loss. <laughs> I know that's really difficult, especially when you're not sure whether someone mm. is saved or not. God, um, God gives us the peace to trust him about that. You know, I'm, mm. I, my Sunday school class is going through the book of first Peter right now. And we haven't gotten to chapter three, but the beginning of chapter three talks about wives whose husbands are not saved. And it taught, it tells wives, look, basically my paraphrase here is, you know, you share the gospel with them. Okay. And then you don't have to nag them about it all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, you, when a word would be appropriate, okay, speak a word, but you don't have to take that on your shoulders and yeah. worry about them all the time. You can trust that, you know, you've presented the gospel to them and you'll maybe have the opportunity to do it again in the future. And God can use that, that one gospel presentation to work in, in your husband's heart and to save him at a later date, you know, down the line. Yeah. And you don't have to strive and try and worry. You can trust me. You do what I've told you to do. And then without a word, I, the Holy Spirit, will take that upon myself to save that person or not um, in the right time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we need to just trust the Lord. Yeah, and, I didn't and expect a discussion <laughs> on sovereignty, but it all it, it's such a foundational thing. And it's so it's so relieving. And like you said, and I've said it many, many times over the years, too, that it, it's a burden lifted off of your shoulders when you just let God be sovereign and just seek to serve him as you can and as you're equipped. But let him do the rest. And it is so freeing. Right. Stay and in fulfilling your as well. It's fulfilling, too, you know, knowing that. Like you, you sh maybe you share the gospel with somebody that you've been trying to for years and, and just never quite gotten through. And you finally get a, a great, wonderful time to sit down and share the gospel with them where you think if ever I was going to get through to them now was it just knowing that all I was called to do was share the gospel. I wasn't called to get the person saved himself. God will do that. He'll take care of it. It's so, it's so right. freeing. And, but it's right. so easy to, to, to forget about that, to lose that perspective of sovereignty, whether it's on, um, yeah. uh, on, on evangelism or discernment or, or social justice or egalitarianism right. and complementarianism, whatever it is, it's easy to lose perspective. But so often, like, just come back to it, recognize God's sovereignty and, and things get easier. <laughs> Right. And, and think about it. You know, we know people who have come out of these, these, you know, people who have been saved or people who have come out of uh, New Apostolic Reformation uh, deception or people who have, you know, come out of the come out of the worldly way of thinking. And what do they always say? God opened my eyes to this. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't say it wasn't oh, my brother in law opened my eyes or my my cousin opened my eyes or my coworker opened my eyes. It was God opened my eyes. It, it was it was that forty seventh time that Michelle shared the gospel with me. <laughs> yeah. That's what it did. It's not that and it, yeah. it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. God should get the glory 
for, for delivering people, saving people. And, you know, I don't want that glory. And, but Mm -hmm. I work as though I do sometimes, you Mm know, it's, oh, Mm -hmm. God just has so far to go with me. (laughs) (laughs) But he gives us all a lifetime to get there. That's the nice thing too. Yes. Yes. But, uh, you know, I did a show uh, two months ago with Pat Abendroth. We talked about two kingdom theology and we talked a little bit about politics. And again, that was another area where, you know, that can be very contentious. It can be difficult. Um, You want things to be so different than they are. You want pagans to not act like pagans, but just stop and realize even if the worst politician wins the election, God is sovereign, (laughs) you know, and uh, it's... Puts kings in their thrones, and he does it for certain reasons. And we may not know why this side of glory, but he has his own reasons. And mm-hmm. well, you look at Nebuchadnezzar was you know, was the most powerful man on earth, and he God made him basically into an animal. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, he brings yeah, him down. And Proverbs says that God, Proverbs says that God holds the the hearts of kings in His hands, and He can channel them like rivers of water. Mm-hmm. He can turn them any way He wants too. Mm-hmm. And so our, our job is just to quit thinking that like, like I just said, we need to stay in our lane and remember that we're not God. We don't yeah. have to work so hard to, to make things a certain way. Um, we do need to be obedient. We need to walk obediently, but we need to remember it's not within our power to change people's hearts, but it's God who has to step in and open blinded eyes and exchange hearts of stone for hearts of flesh, exchange hearts of yeah, stone. hearts of stone yeah, for hearts right. of flesh. My verse mixed up there, yeah. and uh, you know, it's it's him. He is the one who has to do those things, not us. Well, thanks. Is there? Um, I don't have any other thoughts in mind for topic or discussion or something. But um, anything else? I think we, you know, we could go another ten to twenty minutes easily if you've got something that that you want to offer. We this is potpourri after all. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot, but. Um, what else could we talk about? You know what, what I've seen as a hot topic lately is leggings. <laughs> Do you want to stay away from that? I, I have something to say about that if you want to well, stay away funny. from it. I was getting my daughter dressed last yesterday morning to go to my grandma's funeral and, and my, my wife got her little dress out and she said, can you get her dressed? And I, I put her dress on and then there was that. It looked like she held this, I held this thing up. It looked like a pair of my wife's socks. And <laughs> and I'm like, well, do you, do you have leggings for her? Or is this, or just, you want me to use your socks as leggings? And then I realized they were folded in half and I unfolded them and, uh-huh. oh, they are my daughter's <laughs> leggings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This, this but they go under the dress. Leg- they're not, they're not the dress itself. Right. right? <laughs> this thing about leggings comes yeah. up every once in a My daughter's three. That's. That's why it's just, it's just, uh, it's such an interesting topic because, (laughs) um, you know, women have different opinions about leggings and men seem to have basically, well, they have different opinions about (laughs) leggings too. And and so what I, what I just want to say to women is especially Christian women, actually only Christian women, um, is that we need to be servants to our brothers in Christ. You know, if, if what we're wearing, um, could be altered so that we could serve our brothers in Christ so as not to cause one of them to stumble, we need to serve them in that way. And a lot of the, um, a lot of, I see a lot of women saying, well, men just need to, you know, they need to avert their eyes and they just need to not be such pigs and so lustful and, and whatever. And that's a very selfish attitude to take. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I think modern evangelicalism a lot of times is fostering that narcissistic attitude of me, 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 um, because that's what, I mean, some people might think this is a stretch, but I've, I've noticed, you know, in my in my lane, um, that a lot of women's Bible studies, um, a lot of women's Bible studies lead women to be very self-focused. You know, there'll be study questions like, how do you feel about this? Or what do you, what do you think people think We're about you? Feeling. And, We're coming full um, circle on the feelings. <laughs> I'm sorry. Say again. Oh, I said we're coming full circle on feelings. 
Yes, I guess so. <laughs> it's a pretty big issue in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably the number one issue that Christian women or evangelical women face. But mm-hmm. um, I think, unfortunately, uh, evangelicalism is is fostering this narcissistic attitude in women that would lead them to say things like this about, well, I can just wear whatever I want. And that that's their, you know, that's men's problem. They, they just need to get a life and they just need to deal with it. And that's not what, what scripture teaches us. Scripture right. teaches us that we're to lay down our lives for one another, you know, and so mm-hmm. not wearing leggings as a, as pants, you know, I certainly had, you can wear leggings under, you know, as long as it ladies speak to the ladies now, (laughs) as long as it covers your posterior, you know, you're okay. But wearing them as pants is kind of immodest, you know, Mm -hmm. to a lot in a lot of circles. So we're supposed to be servants to one another. And we're, to me, the, the issue is not legging so much as the selfish attitude that I'm seeing with some women, not all women, um, but with some women saying, well, they just, you know, I don't have to do anything. That's their problem. No, yeah. we're, we're brothers and sisters. We're, we're in this boat together. We're supposed to be serving one another, one another and being kind to one another and helping one another. That's our, our ministry to one another. And so I, I just think this is a, a good opportunity to look not at the leggings themselves, but about, am I being a servant to my brothers in Christ in the mm-hmm. way that I dress? And that is a responsibility that Christian women have. Christian men have the responsibility to deal with their their own eyes and their own, the way that they look at women. And if they're sinning, they need to repent mm-hmm. and to um, avoid whatever it is they need to avoid. But the flip side of the coin is that Christian women need to serve their brothers in Christ, kind to them, and and dressing in a way that doesn't cause anyone to stumble as far as they're able to. I'm right. not saying we, we all need to go out and be anything like that, but there, you know, women know there's right. a reasonable way to dress, and there's a way that you can look in the mirror and go, yeah, maybe maybe I need a little bit longer dress with these, these leggings or Mm -hmm. a longer top, or, you know, maybe my top is too low cut or whatever. And I, I can serve my brothers at my church or on the street or whatever, by just doing up one more button, you know, how hard is that? That's one area I'm Um, really thankful with my wife is that, um, married women in particular, and she's good at this. If you're not sure, ask your husband, you know, She'll do that to me exactly. all the time. She does that all the time. You know, she's uh, she's putting on a business suit for for a, a she's going to be speaking or she's going to have a big meeting or something. And she'll she'll just ask me like, well, what do you think of this? Is this OK or should I wear something else? And she knows that, like, if I were to look if she was not my wife, she knows that being a believer looking at her, I'm not going to look with her as, as as an unbeliever would, you know. I, I, I have that, that ask, you know, I, I'm averting my eyes the best I can. Right. But, um, but she knows that a lot of the people that she works with are unbelievers and they are pigs. And so she, that's partly why she asked mm-hmm. me is, okay, you know, what, how is this going to look to the pervert that's down the hall, you know? So ask your husband, you know, he's, he's probably right. happy to help in that regard. Yes, exactly. And I think one of the things that women don't realize when they don't take advantage of uh, their husband's perspective or your father, if you're a young woman still living at home, uh, your father's perspective or even your brother's perspective, a lot of times we don't realize that men look through men's eyes. Mm -hmm. Men know what other men are thinking when they see certain things. And particularly young women, and I know I thought this way when I was, you know, in my early twenties. Um, you know, we look in the mirror and we think, Oh, this is just a cute outfit. And men look at it differently than we do. That's the, that different role thing, you know, that we were talking about earlier that men, uh, men look through men's eyes and women look through women's eyes and your husband or your father, your brother has a better perspective on what other men are seeing when they see your cute little outfit than, than you do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, take advantage of of that resource that God has given you and your husband or your mm-hmm. your father, your brother, whatever, to, yeah. to help you with that. The other comment I had on that is that that <laughs> that attitude of, well, he needs just to avert his eyes. It's it's kind of 
pushing a moral perfectionism that God hasn't put that given that person yet. You know, even though I'm a believer, I and I've been saved for 20 years. God's still working on me. I still have sinful tendencies, and so I appreciate your perspective in 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 seeking to help me, a man who's not your husband, <laughs> to avert my eyes and and look at you the way I should look at a sister and to you know to only look my wife that way that that I appreciate that because until I reach glory I'm still fighting that fight and every little bit of help every every little bit helps that's what we're supposed to do we're supposed mm-hmm. to that's one of those one another's we're supposed to do for each other mm-hmm. is to love one another another in that way and and not make things more difficult on you know than we have to on our on our brothers and sisters um and you know the church at large and even even the world why why would we make something more difficult just to be selfish that is not a christ-like attitude right (laughs) yeah well thank you so much leslie i think we got a good show it's uh it went by fast This, it did. They always do, but it, it went by fast. I, I'm looking at my, I'm just going on my clock based on what we started and, and the break that we had. Can I take a few minutes off for that break? But looks like we got about an hour in and um, had great discussion. So I appreciate uh, that you came on and I appreciate what you brought to the show today for us. And, uh, and uh, potpourri was a great topic. So. Enjoyed it. Yeah, I like the potpourri idea too you know you can just kind of bounce from one thing to another and i don't know maybe i'm a little add or something i like a variety of topics but thanks for having me on i had a great time i love doing things like this so it was it was really a pleasure to be back well i would love to have you back again this is the close of 11 years so uh next year i begin the 12th year of echo zoe radio and uh we'll have you back again sometime in the 12th year or or something and uh sounds great great i'd love it Echo Zoe Radio is an outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries. If you are blessed by the show, please consider offering your support. There are many things you can do to help, including prayer, sharing the show with others, and your financial support. Echo Zoe Ministries is a registered nonprofit organization with 501c3 tax-exempt status, and your donations are tax-deductible. For more information about how you can support Echo Zoe Ministries, please visit echozoe.com support. That wraps up episode 132. Thanks for listening to Echozoe Radio. For show notes, visit echozoe.com slash 132. Be sure to check out the website also for links to connect with Echozoe on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube and love to connect with you. So follow, like, and subscribe to Echozoe Ministries. Help us also get the word out by sharing and retweeting announcements for your favorite episodes. This episode is came out a little bit later than I prefer. I usually like to get them up on or near the first of the month, but it's still well, well within the month of April. But just a heads up that the next couple of episodes will likely be posted a little bit later as well. Uh, hopefully over the summer, I'll be able to start catching back up and, and posting closer to the beginning of the month, but um, it's going to take a few months to get there. Finally, I want to say some thank yous to as Echo Zoe Radio concludes the 11th year of podcasting. So first of all, thanks to our guests over the past year. Andrew Rappaport was on twice, Nate Pickowitz, Ryan Habana, Gabe Hughes, Aaron Lavarco, Jason Mariana, Alan Nelson, Fred Butler, Eric Dauma, Bob DeWay, Pat Abendroth, Kofi Edo Bohan, and Michelle Leslie all came on the show in the last year. I also want to thank my family for supporting me through another year and for you, the listeners, for your support and encouragement as well. Lord willing, we'll be back next month uh, to begin the 12th year of the show with the May episode of Echo Zoe Radio. 